Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome to another GeoMob podcast. This is going to be one of the more challenging interviews that I've done because I'm going to be chatting with an artist about his work when he really should be showing you his work. But we're going to remedy that. If you've got an internet connection on your phone or you're near a computer, just pause the podcast now and go to edfairburn.com. That's E-D-F-A-I-R-B-U-R-N.com. So go there, just have a look at Ed's work and then resume listening to the podcast. Bing, you're back. Welcome. So Ed Fairburn says... I manipulate paper maps to construct other forms, usually portraiture. I call this process topopointillism, a direct combination of topography and pointillism. So that is what we're going to be talking about. And it's my pleasure to welcome Ed to the podcast. Ed, introduce yourself. Tell your listeners just a bit about yourself and your journey to get into this place in your artwork. Hi, uh, yeah, well, thank you for having me. It's it's really wonderful to be here. Yeah, my name is is Ed Fairburn. I'm an illustrator, uh, stroke artist, and I, I work with maps. I, I live in Dorset on the South Coast. And yeah, I, I work with maps every day to create uh, mostly portraits. Okay, so for the benefit of the people listening, and particularly those who haven't managed to go and look at the work before, for listening to the podcast. Can you explain the process that you follow to create one of your works of art? Yeah, so essentially working with kind of high detail maps, um, I, I look for maps that, that are rich in detail. And my aim is to essentially preserve the details on the map and preserve the functionality of the map uh, as best as I can. But actually following the details with traditional tools such as pen, pencil, paint, I usually use pen to be fair. I basically follow the details of the map and make slight adjustments, very gradual adjustments to those details to actually kind of tease out some kind of secondary image, which sometimes people, I think, assume that I see faces in maps, like a form of, I never know how to pronounce this word. Is it para, paradoi, paradoila, where you kind of see faces and things, you know, like you might see faces in clouds. That's not really what I do. It's more kind of hijacking of the map it's it's kind of taking the information on the map so a prime example is the contour lines lines of elevation on a map a map that is rich in those contour lines you know there's a nice even spread of contouring i will follow all of those contour lines with a pen and some of the contour lines i will widen out and some of them i will just leave alone and it's that process of kind of increasing weight to some of the lines that can actually allow me to build a tonal range so most people when they see my work up close they will see the map and they will see the details of a map and they will assume that it's a map but it's not until they start stepping back and getting further away that just like a kind of half-tone printing method in a newspaper, this is where the pointillism comes in, they will actually start to see that secondary image that I've expressed through the information on the map. So it's about a duality of images, and, and it's both an aesthetic thing. It's just something I enjoy doing because it's, it's just, to me, it's kind of a cool concept, but, you know, and an enjoyable process as well. But it's also it's also kind of symbolic if you like about our coexistence with with the landscape and how the organic systems in our 
bodies actually echo a lot of the organic kind of nature that you see in the landscape all around. I mean, even things like roads, even though they're man-made, they, they to an extent become very organic, you know, in the way that they, they connect. And there's there's kind of a, a logic there that, that is present also in the body. So, yeah, so in, in some ways, it's it's kind of an optimistic kind of coexistence, because, you know, I say optimistic, obviously, it's in these years, it's becoming increasingly important and, you know, obvious that we're having a, a huge impact on the world in, in a way that's not really that great, you know, and it's, it's about reminding people of, of that coexistence and that need to coexist. And that connection between the landscape and the individual. So just so I get this clear, if you you take a map and you've got a map, one of the maps that you said to me before we did this podcast was a map of Edgware in north northwest London, which happens to be where I grew up as a kid. So yeah, I was looking at and recognising the features on the map. But you don't actually take that map and draw over it you use that map as the inspiration to redraw that map, distorting it and reshaping it. Is that correct? No, I, I work with the original maps. So oh. I, I do I do work with reproductions a lot of the time, but I, I do actually work with, with the original maps. I'm fairly selective about the sort of maps that I work with. If, if there are maps that I'm using that I know are particularly rare or you know historically valuable, irreplaceable, I, I won't do anything with those maps. I'll work with, say, a reproduction instead. So, you know, I, I am quite conscious of that because as much as I like doing what I do, I do make lots of mistakes. And even if I didn't make lots of mistakes, if everything I did was you know, perfect in my eyes, I still wouldn't want to change things that are, you know, one of a kind or irreplaceable. Right. But I, I work with those original maps, yeah. And the Edgware example um, that you picked out is is a purely road map. It's purely streets. There's no lines of elevation, no contour lines. I would fit my work into two broad categories. So I, I work with lines of elevation on one hand, and then another type of map that I work with tends to be kind of road or street map where I actually work in the spaces between the streets in order to preserve the road network. And that's more about finding a kind of harmony or a sort of balance with the composition. So placing the portrait in such a way that complements that that road network. Uh, it's the same with the contoured maps as well, to an extent. But it's, you know, with, with all of the maps that I use, there's there's never any kind of one fit. There's never any kind of, you know, sort of perfect, you know, it's it's about finding kind of a, a placement, finding something that, that sits well within. And it, that can be, there can be multiple placements per, per any map that I use. Well, I've got to tell our audience that, you know, when you look at this stuff, if they didn't go and browse your website when we started, I'm going to say it again to them. Go and have a look at edfairburn.com. Yes. Because they are just spectacular pieces. So go back a little bit in time, Ed. Nobody just wakes up one morning and suddenly discovers their style and their whole method of working. You know, my wife's a, an amateur artist and I've watched her her techniques evolve over the last 20 years or so. So I've seen it. You know, it's a, it's a gradual process. How did you arrive at this style? What were you doing beforehand? So I was I, I did illustration at uni. I, I worked very close with a lot of students 
studying fine art at the same university. And at times I did wonder if I should have been doing fine art rather than illustration. But um, actually illustration, we, we had a really great course at uni. We I was very lucky. We had a really great course leaders who were very interested in just the, the kind of passion and the, the kind of real world application of drawing, just straight up drawing, not painting or anything like that, just drawing. So I was kind of, you know, I was embedded in that that kind of way of learning for four years. I retook one of my years at uni. I was supposed to do three years, but I failed one of the years and ended up doing four years. But right towards the end of uni, I was... So I was always interested in portraiture. I should say that for a start because, you know, portraits, it's always been like a, a kind of interest of mine. I've always found it interesting drawing the human figure. So towards the end of uni, I started working with, I started experimenting with with different ways of showing the human figure in different contexts. And I became very interested in pattern, particularly really intricate, almost fractal patterns. I was looking at the kind of patterns that, that are found on, on the skin and trying to draw those sorts of patterns in, creating a kind of mesh-like sort of way. And really, you know, none of this was really kind of like, you know, deep work, if you like. It was it was really very much a visual adventure. It, it was all about aesthetics and kind of, you know, finding ways of, of expressing things. And at the same time, I was interested in context in my work as well. So I really was interested in the idea of guerrilla art, kind of, intervention, hijacking existing sort of structures or channels of communication. So I did my dissertation on postal art, and I actually did quite a lot of postal art myself, whereby uh, illustrating and and drawing on envelopes and, and just other unusual things and putting it through the postal system to kind of, you know, to create like a kind of forced gallery space. So the work is the postal network and also the recipients would actually see my work in that sense. I think the most exciting thing I I posted was not so much an illustrated envelope, but it was more of a, a kind of physical puzzle that, that I, I, I did. I did a series of them and one of them was a Rubik's Cube, which I, I wrote the address on the Rubik's Cube covering several faces of the cube and then I jumbled the cube up and I put it in a, a sandwich bag, a clear plastic bag, and I just wrote solve me on the outside. And I I put it in the post box thinking, you know, I put the stamps on the outside of the bag. And I thought, well, I probably will never see that again. But it was actually it was actually delivered faster than most normal mail is delivered. (laughs) It was it was very unusual. It got there within kind of two days. So. So you mean a postman solved the Rubik's Cube puzzle, read the address and then went and delivered it? Yeah, basically. You could actually see the trial and error as well because they they put a label on the outside of the bag and you could see them trying to narrow down the address kind of line by line. I I just sort of had this kind of image of some poor lad on his work experience, you know, (laughs) sat in the sorting office being given this task to do. But no, that was that was a lot of fun. So, I mean, a lot of that kind of playing around with context and it was all kind of a perfect storm. So experimenting with with pattern, a strong interest in, in figurative work, and also a strong interest in context. It was all a perfect storm. And when I left uni in summer 2012, it was just before summer 2012, normal graduation time, I started renting a studio space not far from, from where I studied at uni. And I spent a lot of time in that studio space just kind of stripping back everything that I'd done at uni and just kind of going back to doing things for myself and and in many ways just working 
um, but this time not for any kind of, you know, course or qualification or anything. And at the same time, I was trying to get a full-time job as well, you know, the realities of, of the real world. And I remember one one evening I, I, I was walking back from the studio, back to my, my house, and I, I popped into a charity shop. I, I, always, I, mean, I always like going in charity shops. You find so many odds and ends in there. And I think they're quite inspirational places as well. If you get some really good charity yeah. shops, you start rummaging through all the books and things and all the all the miscellaneous stuff. And I saw a map of, of Germany kind of around Munich area. And I just really liked the colors. I really liked the, the patterns. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it or anything like that. But I've always been a bit of a hoarder, a bit of a collector. I've got all sorts of odds and ends in my in my house here. So I, I bought it and it was it was 20 pence. And I've always thought, it's probably the best 20 pence I've ever spent. It's, it was a huge investment at the time. I had, I had no idea what, what it would kind of sort of spawn, if you like, you know. And really, I, I just, you know, I, I spent time in my studio. Just a lot of the time I spend in my studio, I just sit and think. I just look at things. And I sit and I, I run things through in my head and, and I experiment with things in my head, try to kind of simulate things that, you know, obviously as an artist, I like to physically experiment as well and, and play around with things, you know, in a, in a very tangible way. But I remember just sitting and looking at this map and wondering if I could create a set of rules or a kind of drawing discipline whereby I would draw over certain areas, preserve certain areas, or, you know, follow certain behaviors according to what is on the map. And I didn't really realize at the time, but what I was essentially doing, I was adding to the rules of the map, which is essentially cartography anyway. It's it's about showing data in a kind of, you know, consistent sort of universal way so that you can read it like a language and understand it. And that's essentially what I was doing. I was interjecting my own data onto the map. And the result of that visually was this kind of coexistence of, of the two things. So that's really where it all started. And it kind of just went from there, really. And what was the product of this German map? Was it a person? Was it a face? It was, yeah. It was. It was something that um, a figurative drawing that that I produced, a portrait, which um, I I kind of realised like I was starting to learn about showing tone on on a map and and showing like a tonal range and the, the kind of challenges there as well because because I work in black ink mostly or, or kind of darker colours. I don't really like showing highlights on a map. Essentially, the the whole map is already kind of a mid tone. It's already a a mess of noise and color and, and tone but usually in a fairly consistent way and and if it's not consistent there is you know sort of focal points or certain areas that kind of can build a framework from from there but yeah essentially uh i, I learned quite a lot from that first experiment but it, it led me to basically try experimenting with with other types of map as well and and contoured maps was kind of something something else that yeah. when I started working with contoured maps, I remember the first experiment that I did with a contoured map. I, it was one of those sessions where it took me all the way through the night because I just had to get it out of my head. I had to finish this thing that I kind of could see working in my head, basically producing a, a tonal range, actually using those those contours. And that's kind of where the pointillism idea comes in, because most people think of pointillism as, as lots of dots, you know, like a pointillist painting. And, and really, by definition, it, it is. But it's not exclusively dots. It's, it's more about a concept of creating a kind of finer sort of pattern 
with something which then from afar creates some kind of secondary image. That's essentially what pointillism is. So that's what yeah. I do, but with the lines. And and it's amazing. I have to say it's, it is amazing. So how do you go about... Well, now, how can I put this? You're, you're commissioned for most of your work or all of your work, or is some of it done commission and some ad hoc? It's kind of half and half, really. I, I do a lot of commissioned work and I'm, I'm quite selective about, you know, what works and, and what doesn't work. But also a lot of what I do is, is just self-driven. And in many ways, actually, I, I find the self-driven work quite difficult because I have unlimited scope. You know, I, I have a huge map collection here and I've got, you know, all sorts of reference libraries that I draw from. You know, I draw a lot of, you know, really all figurative work. So, you know, the, the, the scope is massive, but when I'm working on commissioned work, I'm almost always given a specific location and a lot of the time specific imagery, which sometimes doesn't work. And I have to be honest with clients. I have to say, look, this isn't, you know, this, this isn't right. It's not going to work or, you know, it's not going to produce any kind of, you know, interesting results. So yeah, I'd say probably, probably half and half at the moment. I'm particularly busy with commissions and I, I always just try to, to keep my own work going on, on the sideline because as much as I enjoy doing commissions, you know, I, 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 I've got to do my own work too. I've, I've got to do, you know, exhibitions and, and things like that, which is, you know, purely off my off my own back, really. So, but yeah, I, I do a mix of commissions for private and occasionally commercial clients as well. So if I wanted to commission you, which actually I do, but, le- but just more generally, how would you start? Would you, I'd send you some photos and suggest a location? Yeah, so most of my commission inquiries, I mean, they they do vary, but usually, almost always, there's a location of interest there. And yeah, very often there will be images as well that, that, you know, not always, actually. Some people are more interested in just the location and are happy for me to respond to the location with, with my own kind of, you know, my own reference imagery, that sort of thing. But usually it's 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 a pairing of of both a photograph or set of photos that might be personal to somebody and a location that's personal and all of my commissions uh start with a map search i've it that's i mean that that in itself has become an art really and my partner viola does a lot of that work as well we do quite a lot of work together now and yeah she'll do uh she'll do a lot of map searching and me as well so we look at all sorts of sources for maps our own private collection here first but also lots of archives online you know and and sometimes depending on the nature of the commission if it's just a private commission no prints are going to be made or anything like that the work can end up being essentially derivative artwork by which you know we're not really concerned with with copyrights or anything like that because we're we're working with an original map which we would have purchased and we're producing something as a one-off on that map it gets a bit more complicated when when we're doing commercial commissions or if we're doing work that that we're ultimately going to make prints of because we're of course reproduce reproducing the maps in in those instances but I mean that's a whole different conversation on its own, but it's not really it's not really a problem that that comes up very often, to be honest, because most of the archives we look through are, are public archives anyway, and you know a lot of the old maps that we work with are you know they've they've surpassed a kind of you know copyright period, or as I say, a lot of the time we're just working with the original map with no prints right. being made, so it's derivative. And if you're doing using street maps rather than contour maps, 
then now you've got something like OpenStreetMap, which is completely royalty-free and you can use in any way you like, I suppose. Yeah, we actually, we're familiar with that, but we've, we've actually, as far as I can remember, we've not actually ever, we've not actually ever really used maps from, from that source. I mean, we are, as I say, we are very much spoilt for choice because we essentially now we have like an archive of archives. We, we have all sorts of, you know, sources for, for looking at, at these maps from and, and where they come from. But we, we've just started approaching the idea of actually and you know i've been doing this for almost a decade now but we've just started approaching the idea i say we my, my partner and i of actually creating the the maps ourselves using the map data and that's kind of a whole new adventure for us you know it's one that i don't really have a, a, a whole lot of time to to devote just just to that but it's something that viola would like to do something that she's looking into so that's quite exciting really being able to 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 kind of do that yeah i bet that will be so do you only work in this one medium or do you do other stuff as well Ed? i mean is it Um, just as well right yeah i'm i'm kind of maps of you know i i never kind of intended for it but it was kind of it's just something that i've sort of fallen into and it's it's something that you know i've kind of made my mark in and it's there's not really any kind of end to it that i can see not that i want there to be i I do enjoy doing this but there are other things that i would like to do creatively i have got some other projects on the go kind of burning in the background which have been there for a little while now and you know I've, i've kind of got to get them off my chest it's just finding the right opportunity to get things finished and presenting things and you know i i paint as well I, I paint for myself oil painting that's more just really something on the side i don't really tend to kind of put that stuff out there so much but yeah it's mostly maps really that that i do right. it's kind of this little niche that i've locked myself into and in your map collection how many about how many maps do you think you've got tucked away oh easily thousands but i i'm I've never actually tried to put a number on it. We're, we're actually in the process of, of cataloguing everything so that I don't have to unfold and, and look at things every time I want to, to consider something for a project. But we've got several boxes upstairs all boxed away. We've got lots of sets of drawers full of maps as well and atlases, lots of atlases as well. We've, we've got a few, we've got a couple of near complete collections of of certain series of maps i think we had a an entire series of kind of high scale map of of covering france you know uh, all of those ones we've got lots of ordnance survey maps which we've got most of of a series i don't think we've actually got a full series of anything but we yeah we we just there's 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 a lot here there's there's they're everywhere <laughs> I can't, I can't. There's, yeah. there's just too many basically there's never too many maps. There's never too many maps. You can't have too many of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you sound like you're a really busy guy. You know, you're you're doing your commissions, your own work, your artwork and everything. When you are working, what are you doing? And how does that connect with your your work? So I I work from home um here in here in Dorset. Um, or as I like to think of it, I live at work essentially my commute is a flight of stairs basically and i'm into my studio it's it's essentially the front room here that i use as my studio and i basically i'm obviously all the time i'm I'm very immersed in what i do it's quite difficult to kind of have that separation but i'm i'm okay with that you know it's fine really for for what it is it's you know whether it's lots of little jobs that need doing or 
you know, if I'm doing one big drawing session, I'm, I'm always here. I'm always at work. But when I'm not actually working, I like to do quite a lot of gardening. I, I grow vegetables as, as a general kind of hobby. Um, I like to grow heirloom varieties, like kind of unusual, unusual varieties or rare varieties of things. And I also... I like going for walks. Obviously, I'm I'm quite spoilt for the countryside here in Dorset. It's really quite beautiful. But I also I, I I'm quite keen on bird watching and specifically photographing birds. I'm watching them now actually out my window on the bird feeders outside. I I have to fill them up pretty much every day because they um yeah they they just they're very hungry this time of year. <laughs> so I do yeah I do quite a lot of of that um, photographing birds. I I really enjoy. I really enjoy that process. And I, I would really like to tie in some of the photography that I do with wildlife with my work with maps, because, of course, I do portraiture with maps. But, you know, wildlife is, is kind of a whole new sort of arena for me to, to explore. And it, it's an obvious segue to take your passion for, for maps and your, and your style of work and combine it with your love of birds and photographing them. So Yeah, definitely. So we'd better get our orders in for portraits on maps before you switch style and are only working on birds on maps. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I think I'll always be working with portraiture. That's that's kind of my my number one passion in art really. Even when I'm painting, I'm I'm always working with portraits. But I'd really like to combine the two actually as well. I'd I'd not only like to introduce wildlife into my work, but I'd actually like to combine all of those things which you know, conceptually is is really interesting because that's talking about a real coexistence then. It's not just man and landscape, it's man, landscape, wildlife. It's it's everything really in the world that we really should kind of be able to live with and look after. So I think conceptually that would be a really interesting route as well. I agree. And that's a great point to finish. So Ed, before we go, let me ask you, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way to get hold of you if they want to talk to you about your work? Uh, yeah, so I would say my, my website, edfairburn.com. You can also just Google my name, Ed Fairburn. Instagram, social media, Facebook, um, that sort of thing. All of my contacts uh, are on are on my, my website. So, yeah, just go from there, really. And, and you, you're welcome to phone me or email me or, you know, anything like that. It's good. Okay. And we'll put the website address in the show notes so people can follow up there. Ed, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much for your time this afternoon. Likewise. Thank you very much for having me on. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMR podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Stephen at Stephen Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode, and of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.